And I know if I'm gonna have any life anymore, it's because I'm still willing to fight and die for that itch. Because that's what living is. The six inches in front of your face. Now I can't make you do it. You gotta look at the guy next to you. Look into his eyes. Now I think you're gonna see a guy who will go that inch with you. You're gonna see a guy. Welcome everybody to the NSO pod. And I thought of this at work today. I'm Tom Corbett. He's Sterling Pingree. Has Bill Belichick fully become Tony D, Coach D'Amato from any given Sunday? He's going to the new club in Albuquerque. I don't think he's going quite expansion team, but God, everyone's really loving throwing out the Chargers this week. This <laughs> is his next stop. But no, I thought about it. and I'm like, man. The coach in his old ways doesn't want to, you know, go the new route. All his coaches' decisions are all, like, old guys, like, that he's comfortable with. Like, oh, we'll just bring Bill O'Brien back. Never, like, the thought of, hey, why don't I at least interview one of the, like, McVay guys or Shanahan guy? Oh, that offensive coordinator from Dallas put up a lot of numbers. Maybe we should just talk to him. It's like, no, we'll just go with Bill O'Brien. It's been a weird week. I mean, anytime you get beat 34 nothing by the New Orleans Saints. I mean, this is a game that I wrote in my preview column that in the first draft, I wrote that the Patriots were going to win 6-2. to two. And that all the points were going to be scored on safeties. It was just going to be that kind of weird, ugly, rock fight of a game. And the Patriots just got systematically destroyed. And in the aftermath of that, I've been sort of, in a way, surprised. I mean, I know it was going to be bad. The, the general reaction is going to be beyond negative. More negative than anything since I've been a like cogent football fan which I would state is like 1992. Pretty much when Parcells took over the Patriots, they drafted Drew Bledsoe. That's kind of like my day one of of really having a, an idea of the New England Patriots. Before that, it was just red uniforms and sadness. This is as low as it's been. My takeaway, being in the stadium on Sunday, unfortunately, was that, oh, Mac is done. This is kind of at his feet. And for the most part, everyone was pretty much on the same page in the stadium in the moment that, well, we don't have a quarterback. We're going back to the drawing board. This team is terrible. The surprising or somewhat surprising thing since then has been how much of this has just been flat out laid at the feet of Bill Belichick. And maybe we should have seen this coming after, you know, 20 years of him you know, turning the microphones down and and mumbling one-word answers to reporters, the knives are sharp because they've been co- they're coming after Bill this week. That and people, as you know, like Tom, they're feeding off of each other. The first person says, "Could this be Bill's last year? This might be Bill's last year." People have talked themselves in throughout this week to. I heard someone today indicate a little bit that. If the Patriots don't beat the Raiders, Robert Kraft might think about moving on this week. I'm like, okay, that's it. We officially jumped the shark. 
Like, can we go that far with this? That we went from, well, before this game, that Robert Kraft will let Bill hang around until he breaks Shula's record. There's no way he wants him to do that someplace else, too. If they lose to Josh McDaniels and Jimmy Garoppolo, he might have a, a pink slip in his locker next week. Yeah, it'll never be midseason. One, because there's no. no benefit. You could bring whatever, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, and they're not turning this around. Like you said, there's no quarterback right now. No. Like, they would love. Like, it is perfectly set up. People should be rooting for Zappy. But he has been as bad, if not worse, in the very limited time that he's been in there. Like, if he made either of those throws last week, he had a couple, like, good open downfield throws, and he oh, just yeah. airmailed them by, like, 10 yards. Everyone's like, hmm. You know who had a really good preseason? Will Greer. <laughs> and he's yeah, been and, there and he, for, I think, three weeks. And they're like, is it too weeks. early to get him in there and get him a start? Legitimately probably has not taken a snap in practice either. Like, I think Malik Cunningham has played a little bit more in practice than than Will Greer. Um, but what do you, what do, you do? And I think yeah. the other thing, in, in my hindsight, so my you know notebook this week and then i even went on to write an addendum because i just had more i had to get out and most of it was about mac jones but the more kind of research i've done and and the the clips i've seen i think you can kind of paint and and mac is not innocent in any of this but the play of the offensive line has just affected everything or infected everything Mm -hmm. that's happening with the offense so i was having a conversation after the game with some fans of the parking lot and the the point that the guy made, his name was Ricky. Shout out Ricky if you're listening. Um, he was carrying a 24 pack of Miller Lite under his arm. You know, seemed like a good dude. He goes, "Who would you rather have next week as your quarterback, Gardner Minshew or Kirk Cousins?" I said, "Ricky, first off, we are. I, I would take Kirk Cousins, but we are not a Kirk Cousins away. This isn't a situation yeah. where we're the 2022 Jets, where you go look at this defense." Look at these weapons. Man, if we just had a quarterback, like we could be a 12, 13 win team. We're not that. Like if Kirk Cousins came, he would have to get rid of the ball so quickly to receivers who cannot get separation and cannot get wide open. Oh, and he'd have a second and a half to get that ball there. Yeah. I mean, it, you have it would kind of just be a waste. Juju Smith Schuster right now is on a historically bad start. So averaging bad. six yards per catch. Six. <laughs> and he's only got how many catches? Does he have ten? I don't even think he Maybe. has ten. Maybe. Well, I mean, yeah, because he had, I don't know, one or two the other day. Like, he always ends up with, like, three catches, and you kind of forget all of them. By the way, depressing moment of uh, the game. Game is over. Patriots have been thoroughly thrashed, defeated. Everyone's upset. Like, we sat in our seats for, like, another ten minutes. We're leaving the stadium, and because I'm a glutton, uh, I I plunk down $5, and I buy a program because Mac Jones was on the cover of the program. And just in my own mind, I'm like, this will be the, the last one. This will be this will be that moment. It, like, If I'm going to remember this, it's going to be that Mac Jones, this was the, the last moment that he had, or the moment where kind of everyone gave up. I buy this. Now, you look at that, and you go, oh, my goodness. Like, that's, a, that's a little twisted that you bought the Mac Jones program after that game. Guy in front of me, in line at the merch stand at Gillette Stadium after the Patriots got beat 34 to nothing, purchasing 
a Juju Smith-Schuster jersey. That's a scratcher. That is, man. I mean, the only people that could possibly be wearing a Juju Smith-Schuster Patriot jersey right now, his family, the Smiths and the Schusters, both of them. I, I get it. Family, you you know, you stick up for them. Uh, the people who bought it in uh, as soon as it was made, you know, because there's always those people that as soon as the name comes to your team, people buy the jersey. They're like, oh, yep. Juju Smith-Schuster. And they just buy it the next day. Snap decision. They're excited and prisoner of the moment. How you could watch him for five weeks and go, $125 for a Juju jersey seems like a good idea right now. You're not buying low. It's retail. Yeah, so let Jacoby Myers go. Oh, who that that compounds it too? It's who oh. as an S it's not like he's having a breakout monster year, but I think currently has two hundred and seventy five yards on the year, three touchdowns. Juju and Devontae Parker have combined for I believe two hundred fifteen yards and zero touchdowns. By the way, Devontae Parker you gave an extension to for no reason, didn't need to do it, which really drove that hard line on DeAndre Hopkins where he, no, we're not going to give him more than this. Had him in for two days. No, couldn't work it out. Hopkins currently, I think, is like 12th in the NFL, 350 yards, a couple tutties. It makes me think I think I think Belichick is still a good coach. I think he can still put together a good defense. I mean, say what you want, the Patriots defense has been great all year. Whether yeah. or not it can hold up after losing its two best players in the same game, that's another story. But I think it might be at the point where whether it's with New England next year, whether it's somewhere else, it's got to go back to Belichick's the coach, but he needs a GM. He needs, you know, someone else making personnel decisions with him, for him, whatever it may be. Like, he can't run the whole ship anymore. I mean, you spent a first-round pick on an old, undersized lineman from Chattanooga who hasn't been able to get on the field yet. Not this year. I mean, last year, Strange was serviceable. This year, I mean, injuries, and, and you're looking at... I mean, th- there is something to Colin Coward pointing out that, you know, Mac Jones needs weapons, and instead he bought two kickers and three right. guards and that's know, late, where I, late in the draft. And that is where I thought of the Al Pacino any given Sunday, because he's still kind of going with that death by a thousand cuts kind of offense, but right. meanwhile, none of his weapons are sharp. <laughs> They're all dull. And we've moved into this age where you look at the teams that are winning the Super Bowl, no longer can you have that kind of old West Coast system of just a bunch of guys. We're going to go with quantity over quality, per se. Like, you need that star. And New England doesn't have it. And Stevenson, for whatever reason, has been awful this season. He's at, what, two, just over two yards per carry. Zeke has been better. But in part of that is that, 
I think that goes back because I've been hard on Stevenson this year. I've liked the bursts I've seen from Elliott, but this past week it was abundantly clear. Stevenson touches the football. There's two guys in the backfield already. Fair. I mean, they th- this past week, Brown and you know, Vendarian Low. I mean, there were guys all over either Mac or a ball carrier. Whoever was touching the football in the pocket was about to get drilled. I mean, the, the tackles for loss. Cam Jordan spent more time in our backfield than anyone did. It, it's so could they be doing something else with it? I mean, I I don't know. Um, I think, and I also sort of hope this, I guess, that what you just laid out of Bill stepping down as and not, and not stepping down, but they hire someone to come in and be the personnel guy. I think is probably the most likely outcome that we see after this season, because that is like th- that is Robert Kraft taking action, but not taking the ultimate action. You know, like uh, of we're cutting all ties with Bill Belichick. This is this is over. I have still a really really difficult time seeing that. I mean, I've been, I was called a Mac Jones apologist, and well, I, I apologize no more. For Bill, Bill with his legacy, yeah, I have a really hard time in, in my mind. Like until Bill's showing up coaching naked from the sidelines or something, he, he could be the head coach of the New England Patriots, as far as I'm concerned. The personnel stuff, you know, a lot hasn't worked out. Some have worked out. I mean, you can't say that every one of these drafts has been a complete bust. I mean, finding you know the Kyle Duggars and. Uh, you know, this year, Keon White, you know, Christian Gonzalez. But it, it's funny how when they talked about this draft like three weeks ago, there's so much optimism. Of, All right, Pop Douglas and uh, Keon White, Christian Gonzalez. The, he took some special teamers. You know, Bryce Barringer looked good the first few weeks, kind of struggled this past week. But poor Joe Cardona, the long snapper, was just lobbing the ball back like a balloon to him. Uh, Chad Ryland's missed four kicks. I mean, there's the little ones. And the comparisons are killing us right now. Because the comparison, not only you mentioned Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster, Nick Folk is 10 for 10 on field goals and has hit two from over 50. Chad Ryland's four of eight. He's and 12 been, for 12, actually. He, I, I know he's, perf- he's perfect yeah. on the season. Ryland, Ryland is, yeah, 50%. And they've elected not to kick, like, 50-yard field goals and instead either went for it or Pooch kicked it or whatever because I think they were sort of worried about putting him in a tough position. So... Yeah, there, there's some comparisons that are, are not uh, kindly when it comes to the personnel side of things. But uh, yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's, the all-time coaching wins thing. Everyone kind of predicted, oh, okay, in the next couple of years, at this pace, it's going to be a while before he catches Don Shula. And in the meantime, and I didn't even realize this. I think I heard about heard it on the Bill Simmons podcast this week. Andy Reid is pulled within like forty-eight of Bill Belichick. Yeah, he, he's gone like close six, really fast. He's six years younger. He's got Patrick Mahomes, who should get you, you know, what twelve wins a season for the next probably at least four years. You would think. You would think. No, no. It, it has become a lot more interesting because uh, I was looking at that recently, and I went, "Holy cow!" Andy Reid is pretty high up there. Yeah, he just uh, passed Tom Landry this week. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean that's 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 rarefied air for sure. So, uh, I think that could kind of become a thing, become a narrative. 
But uh, yeah, the age is an odd one because you could have told me Andy was anything within like a ten year gap, and I would be like, yeah, that sounds about right. I think he's six years younger. Uh, Bill Bill's seventy one. So yeah, I mean, you start to get into the how long does Bill want to coach? Which is probably the answer is forever. And before this year, we're thinking, okay, Bill will break Shula's record by the end of twenty twenty four. So two more years. Like I was. Wildly confident that even if he didn't get it in 2024, he'll come back for 2025 and he'll break it in like week two. Now, yeah, it's probably like, okay, is it three full seasons? Yeah, he's what, 29, 29 behind? Well, it depends on which one you look at. If you look at the, let me bring this up, because every time they talk about the coaching wins record and the number that was on the John Shula patch that the Dolphins wore in their uniforms, they had his regular season plus postseason number. Right, I think that's what they count it by. So that would put Shula at three twenty-eight, I think. And no, then Belichick like two ninety-nine. No, no, so Belichick is two ninety-nine regular season. Okay. Shula is three forty-seven. I want to say combined. Bill has thirty-one. I think thirty-one or thirty-three. Uh, postseason wins. Uh, no, hold on. Stall. I'll look this up. Okay. Yeah, so the list I just brought up must be then just regular season. Shula, 328. Uh, George Hallis, 318. Belichick, 299. Andy Reid, 251. Just passing Tom Landry, who was at 250. Then yeah, so so the way I've got it here, wow, Bill Belichick has more losses than Andy Reid. I could believe. Well, I was gonna say I could believe it, but at the same time, you think of it. I mean, yeah, Andy was really good in Philadelphia and always good in Kansas City, but huh? No, I'm kind of surprised by that. So the numbers, if you look at the the list right now, it is Shula at three forty seven, Belichick is at three thirty, Hallis at three twenty four, Andy Reid at three seventy three. So by this, Belichick is yeah fifty what fifty eight ahead of fifty seven ahead of Reed, yeah, and uh, seventeen behind him, behind Shula. So if he only gets four or five more wins this year, then you're going into next season going all right. You need thirteen to tie Shula, so you're going into twenty twenty five. Then yeah, I mean, does that thinking go into? Is this going to happen? You know, what, how how long is it going to take to win seventeen games? It used to be well, that's an easy season and a half. But, but yeah, wow, Bill Belichick, the only coach in terms of wins in the top twelve that has never had a tie. Yeah, no I ties. actually knew that that Belichick has never had a tie. I was actually really rooting for that last year in Green Bay. Andy really Reid's got one. George Hallis has 31. <laughs> well, because back then, they didn't even have overtime. Right. I think it was just if the game was tied at the end, they're like, well, that's it. Curly Lambeau, Soccer. 22. Hmm. Interesting fun fact. All right. So let's get on to your yeah. memory. Because you you've, didn't you've have... suffered enough. Thank you. Let me out of the chair. It's time to call Tom Corbett to the stand. Um, Tom, your team is still really good. I think we're but, the good bad team. Well, you're not the good bad team. You're not the good bad team. You're kind of the uh you're the flawed good team. The mm-hmm. problem is I, I think where I would be sad if I were you 
though I would trade with you in a second. Don't don't confuse that. You would um, trade for Mike McCarthy? No, I'm good. You just I'm said you'd trade with me. No, no, no. I would trade overall scenarios of, of talent. But the problem yes. is, is that you have a very defined ceiling over your football team. Like the Dallas Cowboys will go to the playoffs. You will go to the playoffs as a wild card. Yeah. Ceiling of maybe NFC championship game. Well, and, and that's and, and that's if Philadelphia plays San Francisco because the hard ceiling over your team is the Eagles and the 49ers. I don't know how much I I will say I'm not positive how good Philly is yet. I think they're still very good. I still think they're ahead of the Cowboys. I don't know if they're San Francisco good yet. They haven't put together a you know Eagles dominant win like we saw last season. But go on. I think it's more of like I'm thinking of sort of the rock paper scissors corollary that like it, it it's more in the AFC but I think it's kind of developing in the NFC where it's like the Niners just own the Cowboys. The Cowboys can absolutely mow down, you know, Minnesota and all these other contenders. Does not matter. They we bully bad good teams. As possible. You bully but you even bullied mediocre. I mean, because when you beat San, uh, Minnesota last season, Minnesota was. Yeah, and we still lost this... to the Arizona Cardinals this year. But you know, well, okay. that's true too. Okay, you beat the Cardinals and Patriots. So, like, what do you have to hang your hat on this year? You beat the Giants, Cardinals. What a what no! We didn't frauds. beat the Cardinals. We that's lost right. to the Cardinals. <laughs> we beat <laughs> the beat Jets, the... Patriots, and Giants. <laughs> so by a lot. <laughs> it's you beat, but you beat them good. We like beat you them really real good. You you beat Daniel Jones up. I mean, you really throttled him. Something that only everybody, like every other team has done, except the Cardinals, who beat you. How, yeah, how does that work? Okay, this is nothing like that. This is like Chinese checkers. Yeah. This is just absolute. Lunacy. The Cardinals just ruin every every attempt to logically put them in perspective of where they're supposed to be. In all week, as I've been trying to, you know, kind of like properly portray how bad the Patriots are. And I go, well, okay, so we're not going to get the number one pick because of, and I go, well, the Giants and, and the Panthers, and then I go, the Cardinals, and then I catch myself, and I'm like, well, no, okay, the Cardinals aren't that bad. They're a little frisky. And you say, well, I mean, the Bears are terrible. And you go, ah, oh, crap, no, the Bears actually just won a game, and Justin Fields looks capable again. Um, well, the Jets are awful. Well, the Jets just beat the Broncos. You know, like, I'm trying to find some, like, company there at the bottom, or at the very least, competition for the number one draft choice. And there's some just some kind of odd teams. I mean, I don't think the Jets yeah, I are feel that like bad. somewhere the Broncos might be that bad. Somewhere the, like the Bears, uh, the Broncos, who surprisingly, despite the Russell Wilson trade, have their own pick this year. Um, that's just wild. A couple of those teams are like, wait a minute. When they're looking at like the Patriots' possibility of just tanking it out. The Vikings, who I think are going to go full tank right now, which doesn't bode well for my fantasy team with Justin Jefferson. I think, you know, good chance they could move Kirk. They could see them just going full in the tank. Let's see if we can get freaking Caleb Williams. All right, quick aside. Where does Kirk go? Like, I think that's the what, only team would be if the Jets could stay somewhat in contention for another couple weeks or another week or two. 
If I don't Kirk see Cousins, anybody if, else. If you're Kirk Cousins, why would you want that? You're on a one-year deal anyway, and if Minnesota Justin Jefferson's not going to play again, if they go super conservative with his hamstring and they try to tank it, and you're playing for a contract next year, like okay, I'll go throw to Garrett Wilson. Yeah, I guess I get a chance in the playoffs. There's the there's been so much talk of him being traded, and obviously we heard the Jets as soon as Rodgers went down, but. I don't know. It, uh, I have a hard time imagining. It doesn't mean it won't happen, but I have a hard time imagining. Atlanta, Minnesota. if Ritter has, I mean, he yeah. played his best game this past week. Uh, they could be a spot. Their coach, Arthur Smith, is kind of, he was there with the regime that brought in kind of Tannehill, veteran guy, does certain things and just build it around him. I think he could take in a Kirk Cousins and make an offense work. I'm sure Kyle Pitts would love it. <laughs> yeah, I don't think Kyle Pitts loves anything after seeing Juju uh, Johnu Smith have like I don't know six or seven catches this past week. I was like, what the hell? But I was going to have that reaction whenever Johnu Smith actually like had a capable football game, but. Um, okay, back back to your back, Cowboys. Back we, to we, Dallas. We, we, we went off. Um, I want to ask you this. This is more of a fan-based question. Are there people, are, are there Dallas Cowboys fans who are just ride-or-die Dak Prescott fans? I'm like, sure. Are there, are, are there people who, and, and I'm generally curious, are there people who, just died in the wool. He is the guy. He will win us Super Bowls. It's just a matter of when. Do those people exist in the Cowboys, you know, fan? Absolutely. Um, Especially, it's such a vast fan base. And say what you want. Sure, Dallas probably has more bandwagon fans than most any team. Because that's kind of... Oh, I think that's safe to say. But they probably still have more loyal fans than... 99% of the teams just because it's such a vast fan base, but it's the same as uh, to put it basketball wise for us would be, you know, the fans who are absolutely outraged that the Celtics traded Marcus smart. You're going to have those who are just dead loyal to the guys that have been there for a long time that we drafted and they can't, really see the forest through the trees saying, Oh, how do you trade him? How do you trade Robert Williams? He's done. And it's like, no, you, we tried this for seven years. We need to try something different with Dak. It's the same. And it's hard because I think Dak is still probably what top 12, at least quarterback in the NFL. He gives you a fairly high floor, but the ceiling has become questionable. And what? He's got 21 interceptions suddenly since last season. There are definitely those that'll, that are loyal. I would say that. Do you think it is the majority of Cowboys fans? It depends what you're. Loyal, fifty-one percent. Like, do at least fifty-one percent of the fan base is convinced Dak is the guy. 
winning a Super Bowl will happen with him as the quarterback. It is only a matter of when. I would say under when you word it like that. I think probably over 51% think he's our best option because you're not going to get somebody better. Sure. Like you can't. Sure. We've talked it's about a, this. It's I a don't, rational thought. Yeah. I don't. How many times we've talked about quarterbacks don't really move. Good quarterbacks don't move. Sure. No. And line, lining up a guy who can win for you for this season is difficult. For the next 10 years is Right. Incredibly difficult for 15 plus and to get to be a perennial contender. It is very, very difficult. Right. And, We're and talking it, about a guy who gets you, who's gotten them, what, 10 to 12 wins almost every single year that he's been a starter for the entire season. Like most teams in the NFL would take that in a heartbeat. Sure. Because it becomes almost like draft picks where you need as many as possible. You need shots at the dance you need to be the more times that you're a top four seed the more times in theory you should go to the Super Bowl have a chance to win championships yeah it hasn't worked out but oh no absolutely everyone would take that the problem now is it feels like again the Cowboys are stuck there's such a finite ceiling because not only is there a I mean I don't know budding juggernaut in San Francisco, but it also seems weird because San Francisco is always, they're also always hanging by a thread. I mean, whether it's McCaffrey sure. or if it's Kittle, if it's Purdy. And and now they're currently in, you know, the all-time favorable spot that Dallas was in for about five years. Yeah. Where Dallas was paying Dak Prescott, who was, I think, a fourth-round pick. It was third or fourth-round pick. He was fourth for you know, four or five years, whatever it was, and you could load up all around him. Brock Purdy, I think, is one of the least paid players in the NFL, period. He has a roommate. Yeah. He's making $800,000. Yeah, he He's was Mr. Irrelevant, which I hate that term because he still got drafted ahead of the hundreds of guys that were undrafted free agents, and but he gets called irrelevant. Anyway... They're in this spot. Okay. So they can still lock in their guys and look for talent. They're in the absolute sweet spot. You, If you went around the NFL and you took into consideration salary cap contracts, there's not many quarterbacks I think you're taking before you take Brock Purdy because he makes so little and he gives you that opportunity to put weapons around him. Which is one of the, I'm assuming, is one of the big frustrating parts for the Patriots. Is that they've had money, and they take these weird, hard, hard lines. We're not paying over this. Like with with Hopkins. Like, oh, no, this is our number. He won't go to that. We like him. We had him in for two days. We're not going over that number. And you've squandered a rookie. Brock Brock Purdy is... When you look at the value, I mean, he's never lost a football game yeah. in the NFL. Yeah. He's making $800,000. Now, if you look at, you know, price per win or, or whatever you're paying or whatever metrics you want to use of, you know, price per completion or touchdown or, or whatever it is, his is certainly the cheapest, 100%. Because even if, I mean, obviously, if you were to say you can have one quarterback in the NFL, who are you taking? Everyone's taking Pat Mahomes. Number two is either Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. That's, yeah, 
Brock Purdy, I mean, as you said, Dak Prescott's probably the 12th best quarterback in the NFL. He's somewhere between 12 and 15. Brock Purdy right now is playing as a top 10 quarterback. And when you take the value into it of being a seventh-round draft choice, I mean, he's the most valuable because of that, because of what he allows you to do otherwise. He allows you to pay Trent Williams. He allows you to pay Christian McCaffrey. He allows you to retain George Kittle to give Debo a contract and keep him happy. You saw what happened yeah. with Tennessee when their marquee receiver was, you know, wanted a contract and they ended up trading A.J. Brown. They've been able to keep all these guys. And it doesn't feel like a Ram scenario where they've mortgaged the future to do so. I don't know. It, it's, it, it is stunning because of what that allows you to do. And thank you. And, and all of that have also depressed me even further that the Patriots finally have a quarterback on a rookie deal and it's not working. And that window's closing because we're going to have to uh, but prop it open again. if it makes you feel better, I think it's made the decision to pick up his fifth-year option very easy to uh, decline that. Yeah, I, I, I sure would think so. But, and in uh, theory, you'll start over with another rookie contract. Could see that. I could also see Bill saying, you know, I think it's uh, a good deal to uh, keep a rookie contract around and just, uh, you know, pick up the fifth year option. I don't, there's no way he does, but I don't think there's any way. <laughs> yeah. But so Dallas, yeah, fun week. Fun week. It is, I don't feel as bad because I've been shouting it from the mountaintops on this podcast for weeks that the offense is not very good and they struggle scoring. Everybody rolled over in that San Francisco game. That's that's pretty disheartening when you, when you have that happen. But there's no creativity in the offense, like, I'm just I'm not I'm not a Mike McCarthy guy. I don't buy it. You spend a fourth round pick to get Trey Lance as a hey, a project maybe. And I figured at least like they'd have some a few packages in there. You know, Taysom Hill style where you could bring him in, throw it, run it, do something creative. And they haven't done that at all. Similarly, I think New England could probably afford to do that with Malik Cunningham. Just bring him in for some some fun packages. Which and is Dallas, kind of odd because, I mean, San Francisco did that with him. Even as a rookie when he was playing behind Garoppolo and, and was getting really no time, like they had some packages set up for him and, and used him in different ways, more as a runner, uh, some kind of pseudo wildcat concepts. Yeah, there's not a lot of create. Well, and this week, it's the Kellen Moore Bowl. Because they take on the Chargers on, on Monday Night Football, which will be so much fun for you as they talk about Kellen Moore and the offense and the red zone's going to come up a lot. It's going to come up. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to come up. Uh, Probably going to be a fun San Diego's offense graphic. has been great. Despite their head coach being semi-competent, making some real weird, borderline horrendous decisions, and Dallas is not, it'll be. I'm more fascinated to see how it's called in the booth 
because so far, especially whenever the Cowboys have been on primetime, it's been a real, like, yay to Mike McCarthy and really boosting him up as this offensive guy finally at the helm of his offense again. Coming off of that loss to San Francisco and being, I think, one of the top two or three worst red zone teams in all the NFL, ironically with Philadelphia. Which is so strange. The team that can automatically get one yard whenever they need it and can score from the goal line. And, and yeah, it, it doesn't make sense. I'm interested to see how they call that one. Or it'll start similar to San Francisco and I'll just go to bed. Yeah, I mean, I think the, the Dallas defense, I mean, we, we've seen them react. You know, they lose to the Cardinals. They put on a dominant performance against the Patriots. They get embarrassed by the Niners. I mean, Michael well, Parsons, those yeah, guys but that dominant pretty, win over the Patriots, irritated. that dominant win over the Patriots is less impressive. Hey, doesn't now. matter. Doesn't matter. Hey, still bad. Still bad. Yeah. At least for the Patriots, maybe like a few years from now, people could see that score and just assume it was, oh, that must have been with Drew Brees. And you'll see, yeah, totally. Oh, yeah. No, that was during the Jameis Winston MVP season. Time. Time heals. Or at least lets you create your own storyline. If those two had happened in the first four weeks, I'd be like, you know what? There's still a chance. I mean, there was the year where the Patriots got handled by the Detroit Lions. They were like, oh, maybe the Lions are good. And then, no, they were the same old Lions we got beat on Sunday night. We'd already lost to Jackson. We lost to Jacksonville and Detroit back-to-back weeks in the first month of the season. Everyone goes, oh, well, the sky's falling. This is completely over. Of course, the Patriots won the Super Bowl that season. But if these had happened in September, there's at least a part of me going, oh, yeah, remember when we overreacted in September and this team was totally fine and they rebounded? No, I don't know why we keep talking about the Patriots. But, yeah, it's it's I don't think a rebound scenario. Things are just going to get bad and... Uh, it could happen in short order. We might be talking draft picks here because they play this week. They have the Raiders, which is a game that I thought was winnable before the season. Now I don't see how they could win against anybody. Uh, and then they have the Bills and Dolphins after that. So you lose this weekend. You are confidently looking at one and seven to start your season. And, and man, does Williams look good out there at USC. Man, that throw that he made against Arizona. Unbelievable. Oh, and it's like I saw that. I go, ah, it'd be kind of fun to have him. But yeah, alas, we're too good for that. And then the next day I was told, not so fast, my friend. It's funny because all of a sudden, beginning of this year, you saw Christmas Eve and you're like, ooh, that'll be a good game. Patriots Broncos, primetime. Couple weeks in, you're like, oh, God, can that get flexed? That's atrocious. But now... Five weeks in, you're like, that could be a big game. That's a big game for seeding. It could be. Who's going to be but, able to lose that one? Could be. What's going to happen is just going to make me angrier is that we're going to be in the Josh Rosen scenario where it should be the Kyler Murray scenario where the Carolina Panthers are going to end up being like one in 16 and they drafted a quarterback a year ago and they're going to have the number one pick. Then it would go to Chicago, though. That's true. That's true. It'll end up going to Chicago. And the Patriots will trade for Justin Fields. Been some interesting. No. That's That was fun, too, this week. We're just 
Apparently, Frank Reich is just old man. Like, I don't care. I'm just going to say, I'm going to say what I'm thinking. You know, like when your grandfather would be out in public and you're like, oh, God, what's he going to say right now? When he starts like the remember when. And he just kind of like threw ownership and potentially Bryce Young under the bus. And was like, yeah, ownership played a lot into, into that pick we made. We have to have a lot of meetings and, and they're not fun. And if no, you remember, they're not, they're not a fun meeting. Originally, when they made that trade, everyone said it was because they like C.J. Stroud. That was the right. first when they made the tr- trade with Chicago, and then as it got closer, oh, it's waffling, waffling. Then it was like, oh no, it's it's Bryce Young. He's the guy. Meanwhile, C.J. Stroud is the first quarterback ever. I think five weeks in to not have an interception with a minimum of 30 attempts in every game. It's true. He set the record for completions without an interception. No, it's well, and to see how that worked out for San Francisco. Now, granted, ipso facto, it did work out really well for San Francisco, but they trade up to number three to take what at the time was reported to be Mac Jones. It ends up being Trey Lance. Lance is a huge bust. Mac Jones goes in his second rookie year for the Patriots, and then they end up with Brock Purdy the next year anyway, so it's null and void. I feel right now, like, I'm having flashbacks to our college days when you've had some drinks, <laughs> like, after after some tough losses or something. Like, you're lean back, right? People can't see Sterling. He's, like, <laughs> lean back in his chair holding his mic, which he usually doesn't do. He's usually mic on the table. And just everything comes back to, yeah, and then the Patriots traded then they got Mac Jones. Here we are. <laughs> it all just comes back to the depression. We we'll just start watching Cam Newton Patriot highlights tonight. Just really start feeling it. Just remember those empty stadiums of 2020. You know, you wake up every day, Tom, and you're like, how did we get here? It's like, I know how we got here, but you kind of life comes at you fast. I'm pretty sure okay. Sterling hasn't been drinking folks. I this haven't is, at all. This There's is just. Coffee. This, I have coffee here. I am. I'm just. I'm leaned back in the chair. I'm, I'm holding the mic. As you can hear. It's just your first real Patriots depression since, what, sixth grade? I feel like. I feel like they beat the Rams for that first Super Bowl when we were in seventh grade. I could be wrong. No, no, no. We were in high school. No, they beat they beat the Rams uh, two thousand one season. So it was January or February twenty twenty two uh, two thousand two. So we were what sophomores? Sophomores uh, in high school. I guess so. Huh. They lost. They lost to the Packers in ninety seven. So we were like sixth grade there. Totally different. So the morning after, the Patriots lose Super Bowl thirty one to the Packers, which was like I mean a, a stunning development that the Patriots made the Super Bowl. Desmond Howard. And, Desmond Howard and the Patriots, I think, were like, I don't know, 14, 13, 14 point underdogs in that game. And of course, I didn't know any better. I'm like, hey, we're beating everybody. We beat Jacksonville. We beat Pittsburgh in the fog. And we're in the Super Bowl. And we can beat the Packers because who were they? Not realizing like the Packers were completely dominant and, you know, Brett Favre's MVP and Reggie White's an all timer and, and this and that. Uh, and then the Patriots went out and they lost. And, you know, of course, the kick returned by Desmond Howard, Super Bowl MVP, which is still a little weird. The next morning at school, it was so cold that nobody had to go outside for recess. 
It was so unguy. It was the only time I ever remember that happening in my entire like elementary middle school career. And it was too cold that they wouldn't let us go out. And as a penance for losing in my Patriot starter jacket and knit hat, I just walked the playground. I was the only one out there. And I just slowly walked the playground, just just thinking about special teams. On a separate I like note, that, I feel those, like that kid right now. Those nineties starter NFL like winter jackets were nice. I had a great Cowboys one. I had the shark tooth Cowboys hat. Ooh, yeah, I was one of the shark tooth hat. I didn't have that. I uh, I may have bought a extra large uh, Patriot starter jacket last year, but like the the retro, like the legit yeah. early nineties, mid nineties. Just going to say an XL in 2023, not the same as 1995. It fit like it like hits my waist. So it looks very, it it looks even more nineties because like you can see the button of my jeans. It's Zeke crop top. It's, it's not quite crop top, but uh, depends on how many burgers you have at the tailgate. Like it might be. So I just can't raise your arms up. Yeah, no, you definitely can't. Um, Actually, kind of roomy in the shoulders because it's like baggy in weird places. But I actually wore it to a game last year, and now I'm like, ah, I might try to look for like a two. I just need it longer. Like the rest, it all fits. It's just like the style of that jacket. Like it's not supposed to look like a windbreaker. Like you remember how those fit? They were very like paunchy. They made you look like you had a beer gut when you were in fifth grade because there was that huge. There was double pouches in the front. Lots of pockets, the big kangaroo pouch. Yeah, like that's how it was kind of supposed to look. And then you put it on as an adult and you go, well, I look look like I'm about to go power walking in this windbreaker. Yeah. I feel like some of the merch was just so much better then. It w- just go look at the starter stuff. That 90 starter stuff is just so good. Mm-hmm. NFL's hard too, especially like shirts. Like jersey shirts are hard to do because the jerseys just don't pop the same way. It's like it baseball, you just do like the Red Sox and the number on the back. Like you look at a jersey shirt for the Cowboys and it's just like the star on the front with the name and number on the back. And it just doesn't it doesn't look right. It, or when they try to make it look mesh. You know, so they add like a weird texture to a logo or the number. I actually, I think the only uh, football like jersey T-shirt I have is a Tim Tebow Patriots shirt that I got for like four dollars. Nice. Shout out Olympia Sport. Wear it with your JP Lossman jersey. Yeah, because that was a wager once upon a time. Yeah, and somehow you won the wager. It was one of our weirdest bets that I don't think we thought through. We're like, oh, whoever loses has to buy the other guy the most random jersey he could think of or can find. So yeah, you it, won. It really came back to bite me. Because, you won like, you and knew. got a J.P. Lossman Bills jersey. Well, and you knew how much I hated J.P. Lossman. Like, I just didn't like the guy, and he just bombed out of the league. So it was like right at that perfect time. I think we had a price limit, too, of like... It was like... 20 bucks. 20 bucks. Yeah. So it had to be like you needed to find something bad. I <laughs> think it was a brand new JP. We sum- yeah. Jersey. We messed up the prize. Yeah. The prize there. Though I believe you wore that for an entire flag football season. 
Yeah, I also tore the nameplate off of it. So it was just like a number seven. So it was just a number it, seven it Doug Buffalo Flutie. jersey. So could have been Doug Flutie. In my head, it was Doug Flutie. All right. Uh, week six. I don't know how much more we got to go. <laughs> this has been an interesting one. Uh, let's look at some of our marquee games this week that we're excited about. Low-key... Colts Jags. I mean, could be fun. Gardner Minshew, whenever he's gone in, has been really good. I like Gardner Minshew. Jacksonville, building off their two game London trip and winning, which I enjoy Bills fans complaining that it's not fair because the team didn't show up till like Friday. And it's London, and Jacksonville got to stay there. Guess what, guys? It's a five-hour flight from the East Coast. It's the same as going to freaking Seattle or out to California. Well, and the argument that the Jags had it easy, they have been in London for like a week and a half. So it's easier to live now for the better part of a month in a foreign country? I'm not sure. I I mean, yeah, Bills fans, you lost. Get over it. Literally the same flight pretty much is going to the West Coast. So this is not a great week. Um, I'm looking no. at it. I'm, I'm, I'm having a tough time kind of picking out the best games. I'd say Probably 49ers, the, the Browns, I found interesting because the Browns have such a good defense. But I think yeah. I just saw that Watson's out again this week. Yeah, if he's out, that's not a game because they'll absolutely kill um, DTR. Yeah. You know what? I'm going to say the the kind of sneaky good game of the week is Seahawks Bengals at Cincinnati. Feels like a game when I try to picture it that has never happened before ever. I don't think the Seahawks have ever been in the the state of Ohio. But Bengals Seahawks interested to see did Joe Burrow get a little groove back last week and can he carry it over and be, you know, a solid Seahawks team. And and that Seahawks team they're 3 and 1. So can they I mean, we're looking at a world where the Seahawks are, are four and one. I tend to think not. I think the Bengals get it to uh, to three and three. But I think that's kind of a sneaky good one. Other than that, there really isn't. You know, the one, and I don't know why I'm oddly kind of fascinated with the Jets. That Jet Eagle game. That's. I mean, you said earlier you don't think the Eagles have really looked particularly dominant in any of their performances this year. I don't think they are in this one either because I think this is just a, a stout defense, a good front for the Jets. But I think it'll start to give us indication of two things. Where uh, where the, the Eagles' offense really is because they're not throwing it downfield as much. So we'll see what, what Hurts can do. But also, I mean, on the other side of the coin, where Zach Wilson really is because he's going to play – a really difficult defense, a defense that's playing well, especially up front, can generate pressure. Jalen Carter looks like the steal of the 2023 draft. And I know I, I see right the look now. on your face, Tom. <laughs> I see the look on your face right now just going, this guy's going to be in our division for the next decade, and I'm going to hate every minute of it. And like, I knew your- I knew that anyway because before all the off-the-field stuff post-championship, Pretty much everyone said, oh, probably could be number one pick, most talented guy in the draft. It was all the 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 off-the-field question marks. So once they got him, I oh, the talent's there. Like, there's no doubt about that. 
and he, everything you hear, whether it's, you know, listen to Kelsey on the new Heights pod or some of his teammates like, Oh, he's picking stuff up faster than any rookie that they've seen. Like he's anticipating guards pulling. He's seeing things and it's like, Oh, fantastic. Well, and it's also situation based. And um, I love rhinos. So it's just a double sure. kick in the nads. Well, and, and I think if he didn't go to Philadelphia, would we, would this be, said about him you know if he's playing with the chicago bears it's just kind of like one of those yeah you know he's he's playing good yeah that rookie's kind of working out there for the bears they they like him but the fact he went to the eagles and i mean he's learned under fletcher cox who's one of the all-time vets and you know he goes to that that veteran team that knows how to win and then they add him to it it's just yeah kind of the the perfect storm for him there uh to succeed but yeah i I think we'll be able to kind of glean a lot i'm interested too this is the Fox game at 425. This is the National uh, and the Patriots play at 405. So I was kind of forget how that works. That So do I get are, do we get two games at 4 o'clock? And I'm already pre-mad. Let's see, what's the AFC game going to be here in the Northeast? Because I'm already pre-mad that we're going to miss the beginning of the game because the Patriots play at 405. And the 1 o'clock is almost never over at that time. Uh, Ravens-Titans. Could again. be Dolphins-Panthers. Because they tend to stick kind of in the AFC East if they can sometimes. Yeah, that would make sense. Yeah, because the Bills are Sunday night and the Jets obviously are four twenty-five. So that would be the only one. Well, it's the CBS. Yeah, they have the Dolphins. They have Colts, Jaguars. Weirdly, I feel like in these weeks when you don't know, we end up with like Colts, Jaguars. But I could see, I could see Dolphins, Panthers. But ugh, I mean, that's zero and five versus four and one. That's one that you would love for them to switch over like halfway through the second quarter. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I don't know that that that's an odd one, but I think you're probably right that we get Dolphins, Dolphins, Bengals. Yeah, Fox has all the kind of you know Vikings, Bears, Niners, Browns, and Saints, Texans. Those are all those are all them. Lions, Bucks. That's not a bad game either. Four and one versus three and one. That's one to kind of keep an eye on too. And Bucks coming off the bye. Yeah, you don't want that early season bye, but you know taking on the Lions at home. That's. Interesting one. Let's see if uh, the Lions can kind of keep momentum going. They feels, seem like a one-step-forward, one two-step-back kind of team. Feels super weird that the Jags aren't taking a bye coming off two straight weeks in London. And the, at this point, right, they're just used to it. They're like, well, this is what we do. We, we go to London. This is our time. It's our busy season. And this is what we do. I think that's all we got for today. <laughs> yeah, I think it's I'm surprised there was this much, honestly. It's uh it's been a therapy session this week and hopefully next week build off something positive. You know? I hate to say it, but I'd be shocked if it was positive next week. It's the Raiders. They look terrible. Just beat the I Packers. Still- just beat the Packers, I know, but look terrible in doing so. The Packers just out-terribled them. And, uh, yeah, I wish I felt like the Pats had a shot at this one. But we scored three points in the last two games. It's, uh, yeah, does inspire confidence. When you vent in your writing, where can people find it? 
They can find it at sterlingpingry.substack.com. You can subscribe for free. We're doing every single uh, Friday. We're doing a game preview, though I guess I'll probably have to do that on Wednesday when they play on Thursday night this year. But otherwise, it is every Friday morning. There's a full preview, and then uh, the morning after the game, almost without fail, uh, there'll be a full Patriot Notebook, the uh, the classic. been going on for six years at this point, every morning after the game. A uh, couple thousand words of uh, my thoughts opinions and generally uh what pop culture irrelevancy it reminded me of this week it was mac jones was ricky bobby running around in his underwear trying to put out the fake fire that's what it reminded me of so you have that to uh look forward to (laughs) at least we have that there you go you've been listening to the nso pod this has been a production of uncommon media